and welcome. I am your host, Nicole Nyberg. I am a neonatal nurse practitioner and also a proud preemie mama to my son, William, who just happens to be a former 23-weeker. So if you are a current or former NICU parent, you have come to the right place. I have been exactly where you are and I know what you're going through. We will be discussing all things related to the neonatal intensive care unit for preterm and term infants, as well as some of the emotions and struggles parents endure along the way in the NICU and beyond. So tune in and get ready to become educated and empowered. This is the Empowering NICU Parents Podcast. While I make every effort to broadcast correct and up-to-date information, medicine is constantly evolving and advancing, and I continue to learn new things each day. Every NICU baby and their journey is different, and every institution varies in their practices as well. So please, always consult your obstetrician and your infant's physician for any medical issues or concerns. I am presenting from my personal experience and knowledge. My opinions do not represent that of my employers. have discussed in a few of our previous podcasts, respiratory distress syndrome or RDS is very common in premature infants. The incidence of RDS and subsequent bronchopulmonary dysplasia or BPD is inversely related to birth weight and gestational age, meaning the younger the gestation of an infant, the more likely they will develop respiratory distress syndrome. For a more thorough review of respiratory distress syndrome, or RDS, I recommend that you go back and listen to our podcast episode eight, Take a Deep Breath, Diving into Respiratory Distress Syndrome in Newborns by heading to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode eight. Bronchopulmonary dysplasia or BPD is a chronic neonatal lung disease often resulting in severe sequela for preterm infants. BPD is one of the most common conditions in preterm infants, and it continues to be an ongoing source of both short-term and long-term morbidity in premature infants. Despite advances in neonatal care and management, BPD continues to affect over half of extremely premature infants. Not only does BPD affect infants while they are in the NICU, it also predisposes them to adverse neurodevelopmental outcomes, and places them at risk for problematic cardiorespiratory health. Today, we will review the pathophysiology of BPD and why it is so common among preterm infants. We discuss preventative measures and medical management of infants with BPD and touch on some of the up-and-coming innovative therapies that are being looked into for prevention and the treatment as well. The episode will be very beneficial for both NICU clinicians and parents who want a basic review or understanding of BPD in infants. I hope you enjoy the episode. This podcast is sponsored by Neotech. Whether you are a NICU parent or a NICU clinician, it is likely that you have encountered Neotech products. Neotech manufactures innovative products specifically for newborns and patients in the NICU. With their goal to make a difference in the quality of treatment for premature infants and neonates, they also strongly consider the impact of their products on parents and clinicians. For this podcast episode, we review respiratory distress syndrome and bronchopulmonary dysplasia. When it comes to providing neonatal products for respiratory support, 
Neotech has several to choose from. Neotech offers the Ram cannula, Neoseal nasal prongs, a chin strap, the Neobar to secure endotracheal tubes, the Neofoam pulse oximeter, and the EasyCare soft touch tracheostomy holder for those infants with trachs. As a mother to a micropremie, my son had his endotracheal tube that remained secure with Neobars for several weeks, and he also used the Ram cannula for several months. As an NNP and clinician, I know how valuable it is to have products in the NICU that not only effectively keep endotracheal tubes and tracheostomies in place, but those that also prevent skin irritation or trauma. To learn more about Neotech products, visit neotechproducts.com or find the link in our show notes. This episode of our podcast is sponsored by Solly Baby. I have to let you know about Solly Baby and their incredibly comfortable baby wraps. The baby wraps are hip healthy certified, so you can hold your baby close to you for hours without pinching or straining your shoulders and back. They are made of a lightweight and silky soft material and evenly distribute your baby's weight across your upper body. The Solly Baby Wrap was named Best Wrap by New York Times Wirecutter Magazine, and they have also been worn and are loved by some of Hollywood's most beloved mamas and mom and dads just like you. Comfortably tuck your baby in and head to the store, care for your other children, or go to the park with ease, all while keeping your baby safely snuggled right up against your chest. See why this wrap was selected as the top gift pick for moms by Vogue and has been featured all over the web and in print from Parents Magazine, Martha Stewart, and The Today Show. Check it out, plus Solly Baby's super soft, lightweight, and adorable sleep gowns, sleepers, swaddles, knotted hats, and crib sheets in simple classic patterns at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash Solly. That's empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash S-O-L-L-Y. Or find the link in our show notes. Back to the episode. Bronchopulmonary dysplasia, or BPD, is a complex, multifactorial form of chronic lung disease. Advances in the respiratory management of extremely premature infants have led to improvements in survival, but unfortunately, it has not led to a reduction in BPD. According to Gamella et al., BPD affects approximately 30% of infants with birth weights less than 1,000 grams. And Gibbs et al. states that the incidence in extremely preterm infants or those born less than 28 weeks gestation is 40% and up to 80% in infants born before 24 weeks gestation. Part of the complexity of BPD is that it is influenced by both prenatal and postnatal factors. The prenatal factors that contribute to the development of BPD include maternal smoking, pregnancy-induced hypertension and or preeclampsia, hypoxia or a decreased amount of oxygen in the tissues, male gender, sorry fellas, congenital anomalies that may lead to pulmonary hypoplasia or genetic factors. Postnatally, the factors that influence BPD include lung immaturity, poor nutrition, the need for mechanical ventilation, oxygen injury, and an infection or sepsis. Preterm birth, which often coincides with all of the aforementioned postnatal factors, is the common denominator when it comes to developing BPD. 
BPD was first described in 1967 by Northway and Roseanne, but its definition and the stages to describe it have been recently modified. The quote-unquote new BPD is characterized by arrested lung development, resulting from interference with alveolarization, vascularization, and the development of excess tone and airway reactivity, primarily in preterm infants with birth weights less than 1,250 grams. Currently, the most accepted diagnostic criteria categorizes the disease severity according to the mode of respiratory support administered to the infant at 36 weeks postmenstrual or corrected gestational age, despite the use of supplemental oxygen. Further clinical criteria then categorize the severity of BPD into the subcategories of mild, moderate, and severe. As I previously stated, BPD is a disorder that primarily affects premature infants due to their increased likelihood of respiratory distress syndrome. BPD is characterized by respiratory distress and impaired gas exchange. Oxygen toxicity, barotrauma, and volutrauma contribute the most to the development of BPD. The manner in which it develops is from chronic, constant recurring lung injury coupled with ongoing repair and healing of the injury. The injury from mechanical ventilation coupled with the predisposing prenatal factors leads to an exaggerated inflammatory response causing lung damage. But it is a vicious cycle because it is the chronic lung injury and the intrinsic repair of the lungs that actually prolong the need for the exact factors that contribute to the development of it. Meaning, infants with BPD need additional mechanical ventilation and oxygen therapy due to the lung injury and repair of BPD, which in turn causes more damage. The clinical course of BPD involves persistent respiratory distress that is often described as the chronic phase of RDS. Infants with BPD present with ongoing or worsening respiratory status. They may also present with increased work of breathing, they require additional oxygen, have apnea and bradycardia episodes, or possibly a combination of all of the signs. They are often tachypnic or are breathing fast. They may wheeze and or have fine rails throughout the lungs and at the bases and display symptoms of respiratory distress, including retractions and nasal flaring. Now for x-ray findings, they vary and correlate with the stage of the disease from a reticulogranular pattern and air bronchograms in stage one up to an irregular formation with large cysts that alternate with areas of increased density in stage four. Infants with BPD may also have chest x-rays that show decreased lung volumes, hyperinflation, areas of atelectasis or a collapse of one or both of the lungs, pulmonary or lung edema, and a condition called pulmonary interstitial emphysema, or PIE. Infants with BPD may also develop cardiovascular changes, including right ventricular hypertrophy, or enlargement, and septal wall thickening with elevated pulmonary pressures. Pulmonary hypertension associated with BPD is characterized by alveolar diffusion impairment and abnormal vascular remodeling which lead to increased pulmonary vascular resistance and right heart failure, 
About 25% of infants with moderate to severe BPD develop BPD pulmonary hypertension, which is associated with high morbidity and mortality. On exam, the infant's liver may also be enlarged, secondary to right-sided heart failure, or it may be displaced downward into the abdomen, secondary to lung hyperinflation. Common labs that will be done to monitor infants with BPD include capillary or arterial blood gases, electrolytes, CBCs, and BNPs. The incidence of BPD does vary between NICUs due to different management methods with respiratory distress. The use of CPAP, non-invasive ventilation, and gentle ventilation have lowered the incidence of BPD, but practices and ventilation management do vary between institutions. As you likely know, some infants with respiratory distress syndrome have to be treated with invasive ventilation for several weeks or even months due to their immature lungs. Although institutions attempt to use the least amount of positive inspiratory pressure or PIP on the ventilator, infants with non-compliant lungs may require higher pressures for survival, contributing to the lung damage. Barotrauma is caused by pressure from mechanical ventilation and may damage the airway and disrupt the alveoli or air sacs, where volutrauma or overly stretched lungs is caused by overdistension of the lungs due to the delivery of gas, which may also cause lung injury. To minimize the risk of barotrauma and volutrauma, which tend to lead to BPD, NICU clinicians first and foremost try to use non-invasive management strategies to manage respiratory distress syndrome. Non-invasive ventilation like CPAP or non-invasive positive pressure ventilation provide the administration of pressures but without the use of an invasive endotracheal tube. You may recall we discussed non-invasive ventilation at length on our podcast episode 11, non-invasive ventilation in the NICU, a review of NIPPV, CPAP, high-flow nasal cannula, and low-flow nasal cannula 2. If you're interested in listening, head to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode 11, or find the link in our show notes. While avoiding endotracheal intubation and mechanical ventilation is associated with less BPD, Oftentimes, invasive mechanical ventilation is necessary and required. As I previously mentioned, the goal is to use the least amount of pressure as possible and to keep the tidal volume around 4 to 6 milliliters per kilogram. But for any infant that does require invasive ventilation through an endotracheal tube, the subsequent goal is to extubate them as early as possible. Duration of invasive mechanical ventilation is one of the major risk factors associated with BPD. Therefore, early extubation or removal of the breathing tube lowers the rate of BPD. One particular study found that when extubation was delayed past the first week of life, not only did the risk of BPD increase, but it is also associated with adverse pulmonary outcomes. The administration of Curosurf or surfactant also assists with management of minimizing BPD. Once Curosurf is administered into the lungs, it helps to reduce the surface tension, improve lung compliance, 
and allows the clinician to use lower pressures to ventilate, resulting in less damage. Once surfactant is administered, it also facilitates early extubation. Some institutions may also use gentle ventilation with either the high-frequency jet ventilator or the high-frequency oscillating ventilator as a management method to reduce the amount of barotrauma and volutrauma. High-frequency ventilation uses tiny gas volumes delivered at rapid rates, but the study results are varied and do not show a strong correlation with the use of high-frequency ventilation and a decreased incidence of BPD. Prolonged exposure to oxygen, which can lead to oxygen toxicity, is also a contributing factor for BPD. Through oxidative metabolism, free radicals are formed, which are toxic to living cells and tissues. Typically, antioxidants protect cells against free radicals, but preterm infants are deficient in antioxidants. The deficiency of antioxidants makes preterm infants more susceptible to lung damage from free radicals and oxidative stress once exposed to excess oxygen in the tissues, even if it's for brief periods of time. Unfortunately, infants born prematurely, especially less than 30 weeks gestation, typically need supplemental oxygen to maintain appropriate oxygen saturations. But ideal target saturations for premature infants remain debatable despite years of research. Now for delivery room management for term and preterm infants, it's currently guided based on the neonatal resuscitation program. It guides the providers with target oxygen saturations to aim for in the first 10 minutes of life. So only the necessary amount of supplemental oxygen is used to prevent any unnecessary toxicity. Beyond the delivery room and into the NICU, further studies are needed to still make definitive conclusions but most literature recommends maintaining oxygen saturations between 88% to 92% with the high alarm limit set at 96%. Infants with a patent ductus arteriosus, or PDA, are also more prone to develop BPD as well. To adequately support infants with a PDA, they often require increased amounts of oxygen and higher pressures on the ventilator due to the pulmonary complications from the PDA, which then may result in both oxygen toxicity and barotrauma. Additionally, the increased pulmonary blood flow from the PDA may also cause pulmonary damage. With that being said, not all PDAs make infants more prone to developing BPD, but the larger, persistent ones do and should be treated accordingly. We all know how important adequate nutrition is for our preterm infants, but did you know that it also affects their risk for developing BPD? But in addition to that, infants who were either diagnosed as having intrauterine growth restriction or IUGR in utero or as small for gestational age, SGA, after delivery are twice as likely to develop BPD. Growth restriction compromises lung development and function, so it is essential to provide adequate nutrition, especially in the first week of life. Provision of adequate nutrition, especially with the use of breast milk, can potentially decrease the infant's risk of developing BPD. Studies have shown that preterm infants who exclusively receive human breast milk have significantly lower incidence of BPD 
when compared to preterm infants who receive either preterm formula or even with maternal breast milk with a bovine fortifier. Providers in the NICU must also be very cautious with their fluid management. BPD is common in preterm infants who have developed symptoms of fluid overload during their first few days of life. Monitoring and managing fluid balance in extremely low birth weight infants and very low birth weight infants can be tricky as we must consider large amounts of insensible water loss, their intake, output, and weight changes. Prevention of infection is also incredibly important in minimizing the risk for BPD as infection has been identified as an antecedent for BPD. Nosocomial or hospital-acquired infections contribute to the development of BPD. The connection is likely related to persistent inflammatory mediators. Unfortunately, although it has been considered to preventatively treat preterm infants with antibiotics, studies have now shown that very low birth weight infants who receive greater than 48 hours worth of antibiotics during the first week of life are at twice the risk of developing BPD. And sadly, each additional day they receive antibiotics also increases their risk. So ultimately, the best recommendation for infection prevention is implementation of strict hand hygiene policies and central line bundles to help reduce the risk of BPD from infections and antibiotic administration. Postnatal corticosteroids or steroids given to the infant have demonstrated improvements in early extubation for infants who are at risk for BPD. Overall, corticosteroids reduce inflammation and reduce the need for further mechanical ventilation. Unfortunately, postnatal steroids are not without concern as studies have shown adverse neurodevelopmental outcomes as well as several additional adverse side effects. The benefits must outweigh the risks, and the parent should be presented with the benefits and risks to help guide their decision-making. Inhaled corticosteroids can also be used as both a preventive measure and as part of the treatment for BPD. They improve lung function, gas exchange, airway resistance, and lung compliance. Additionally, there are some other measures that institutions commonly use in NICUs to prevent and treat BPD including administration of caffeine, vitamin A, the use of diuretics, antenatal steroids for the mother, inhaled nitric oxide, and erythropoietin or EPO. Some infants, despite all of the preventive measures and evidence-based management methods used, are just unable to either be extubated or still require elevated pressures through non-invasive ventilation, If an infant is unable to be weaned off of mechanical ventilation as they approach or surpass their term equivalent, meaning when they reach 40 weeks corrected gestational age, the providers review the risks and benefits of a tracheostomy and begin to discuss the options for the plan of care with the parents. The decision to place a trach with the ultimate goal to send the family home with a medically complex, technology-dependent child should not be taken lightly. However, studies have shown that tracheostomies have been associated with decreased respiratory support and improvements in short-term growth and neurodevelopmental outcomes. Contemporary portable ventilators are more sophisticated and have been shown to reduce hospital costs, improve quality of life, and enhance development. 
But again, the decision should be carefully thought through as shifting care from a NICU or PICU to a home setting can be challenging for the family and is not without risk. BPD is a chronic illness that persists beyond discharge from the hospital and into adulthood. Preterm infants that develop BPD tend to have persistent pulmonary dysfunction and exercise intolerance beyond the neonatal years. These kiddos may frequently develop reactive airway disease, asthma, RSV bronchiolitis, and early onset emphysema. BPD can also affect their growth and neurodevelopmental outcomes. These children may experience delays in fine and gross motor skills as well as language development. BPD can be a life-altering condition, and as I stated, despite great advances in neonatal medicine and an improvement in survival rates, the incidence of BPD continues to remain high. Luckily, there is continuous research being done in attempts to find better preventative measures and treatment plans for premature infants at risk for BPD. Advances in stem cell biology over the past two decades have now positioned stem cells as an emerging treatment in medicine. Mesenchymal stem cells, or MSCs, have specifically emerged as a potential new therapeutic agent in both the prevention and treatment for BPD. Insulin-like growth factor, or IGF-1, is a growth factor involved in vascular development. The levels typically increase during the third trimester of pregnancy, leaving preterm infants with lower levels. IGF-1 levels are important for tissue growth, and it's been found to stimulate cell proliferation, maturation, and differentiation. Lower IGF-1 levels in preterm infants are associated with suboptimal weight gain and an increased risk of chronic lung disease, retinopathy of prematurity, and necrotizing intercolitis, or NEC. Therefore, IGF-1 is being looked at as a potential therapy for BPD, as well as being beneficial in prevention of ROP and NEC. Treatment with high-dose vitamin C has also been looked at as a potential treatment for mothers who smoke during the pregnancy, which, as you may recall, places infants at an increased risk for BPD. In a study, it showed an association between vitamin C and improved lung function in term-born infants. Prenatal treatment with vitamin D is also being looked at as another treatment strategy for BPD. When given prenatally and postnatally, vitamin D resulted in an improvement in alveolarization and vascular growth. Although some of these recent findings are still being looked into, I am hopeful that researchers can continue studies and find more definitive treatments for BPD that will help our preterm infants and their parents. I hope you enjoyed this review on BPD in infants. In the NICU, we continue to gain a better understanding of the pathophysiology and progression of BPD. But unfortunately, preventative and therapeutic measures continue to be a challenge for NICU providers. As you just heard, many of the treatments lack strong evidence and also come with the potential of long-term adverse outcomes. So despite all of the advances in neonatology for survival of preterm infants, many infants will continue to be diagnosed with BPD. Also, as a reminder, different NICUs will use varied methods for both prevention and treatment of BPD based on their particular guidelines or protocols. 
On our next episode, you will hear from a mother of a little girl who had a tracheostomy placed prior to her discharge from the NICU. Tune in to hear their personal NICU journey and life after the NICU with a medically complex child. She very vulnerably shares what they have learned along the way, the things that they regret, and she offers great advice for parents who are either considering a tracheostomy for their child or at home and trying to manage life with a child who has a trach. You will not want to miss it. We kindly ask that if this episode or our podcast would be beneficial to someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. For our show notes and links mentioned in the episode, head to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode 36. Thank you for tuning in to the Empowering NICU Parents podcast and have an amazing day. Remember, once empowered with knowledge, you have the ability to change the course. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Empowering NICU Parents podcast. For the show notes and any links mentioned in the episode, head to empoweringnicuparents.com. I would love to hear more from you on the topics you want to hear. So make sure you let me know in the comments section. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a rating. Five stars would be awesome so we can help other NICU families. Remember, if you have any questions or concerns with your NICU baby, please consult their medical care team. Until next time, friends. Bye.